0: Welcome to Practical Access, I'm Lisa Deeker.
1: And I'm Rebecca Hines. And Lisa, I understand that we have one of our favorite people and a really interesting topic today. What do do we have queued up?
0: Well, I think we're gonna talk about this topic that most of us like to avoid, uh, puberty, uh, sex ed, all of those things. And we do have an expert that we're going to let her introduce herself. It is our dear friend,
2: Hello everyone, I am Dr. Jillian Shreffler um, and last year I graduated from University of Central Florida with the program PhD in Exceptional Education. I am now a professor, an assistant professor up in Connecticut at Sacred Heart University. And my research topic, one of my research topics is the sex education of those with disabilities. So, you know, you you
0: did such a great job in studying a really difficult topic. And, you know, we had many families ask you this question, so I'll kick it off with a really simple question, if there is something simple. Uh, puberty and disability, talk to us about how do families and teachers deal with what can be complicated without a disability? And what do what do you know from all the research you've done when those two topics come together besides, as a parent, I'll tell you it's a perfect storm, beyond the perfect storm, what, what would you recommend?
2: Yes, um, I mean, this is actually one of the questions I get most often when I'm asked to talk about this topic, because a lot of parents with children with disabilities don't know when to start the conversation, I mean, even parents with children without disabilities don't really know what to talk about either. So, a lot of times the question is, "What do I say? How do I say it? When do I say it? Um, do I wait for the opportunity to present itself?" And so, there are really just a lot of questions that come with this time um, of a life of anybody with or without a disability. And so, it it really depends. I have to say on your child, but one thing to always consider is while mentally your child might not be progressing as a typical child that their body is so you really have to go by age in that aspect um say your your daughter is 11 12 13 and she's starting to get her her period but mentally she might not be able to go the whole run the whole gamut of what does that mean you still need to be able to have the conversation so you are giving the information at the appropriate time physically but with modifications mentally and I always say the earlier you start the conversation the better this goes all the way back to say kindergarten preschool with right touch wrong touch so many times we hear about good touch bad touch but how many times can you say oh my goodness I ate that whole sleeve of Oreos last night and it was so good, but it wasn't good for me. And that's where we tend to be with good touch, bad touch. We need to start talking to our kids about right touch, wrong touch, because that gets into their mind that while it might feel good or it might be good, it's not necessarily right for you. And so the earlier you start, the better. And then as you go along, there are a lot of resources online that'll help you. Um, And you can look and even just Google something online. Um, One really good resource is SIECUS, S-I-E-C-U-S. They have a lot on their website. Advocates for Youth is another great uh, resource that you can use. Um, And even just looking online, there are even national standards for sex ed out there for people with disabilities. And you can even use that
1: as a guideline. Jillian, I wanted to ask you, and, I, and this is um, coming out of left field for you, so I can't wait to hear what you say. Uh, <laughs> so, so let's say I am the, you know, the parent um, of, a, of a young adult um, with, mm-hmm. with disabilities and maybe significant disabilities, but I am aware that my child has the same desires, you know, physically as everyone else. Um, What, what, how do I, how do I navigate that? I realize, again, I know that's a tricky question, and I know I'm going to, I'm (laughs) going to give you immunity on whatever you respond, but I think that, um, guardians, just, just as parents of, of kids differ widely in what they want for their kids or believe is best for their kids, you know, um, what would you say to those parents who are like, wow, I, I really want my child to understand, as you mentioned, what's appropriate, but you know, what, what opportunities are there for my child to explore or have any kind of relationship that their same age peers might have? So that's actually a really good question. And the first thing I
2: have to say to any parent is one, you are not alone in this, whether you're a single parent, whether you're a parent with a partner, um, you have a community that's surrounding you that can help you with this situation. All chi- all children, all adults have the right to sex education. They have a right to be themselves sexually and It's going to happen. Um, It doesn't matter what developmental stage your child is at, they are going to have those feelings. And so if you are unsure of what to say, don't feel like you have to go it alone. Find a community resource, find another parent. There are plenty of support groups out there for parents where they can just get together, maybe they meet for coffee, And they just discuss what they feel like they need to be talking about. And they share their stories um, because that is really the way that they learn is through what other people have gone through. And so to realize that you are not alone in this situation, that your child is going to be like others in some ways, they're going to be like, they're not going to be like others in some ways. But to understand that there is a community to support you out there, I think is a very freeing thought that a lot of parents of children with disabilities don't realize is available to them.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. And, and I I think the number one thing I always think about when I think of your great work, and I really do see, see you as a national expert in this area, because it, it is a kind of an untapped area, is the word safe. Mm-hmm. The word safe just comes to my mind over and over and over again. And, you know, we, we tend to be very uh, positive and uplifting in this this podcast, but, but it is really a crisis about the number mm-hmm. of people with disabilities. Can you talk just a little bit about like where we're at as a country without population, but more importantly, what are some things families and teachers should be doing now? You talked about, mm-hmm. you know, right touch, wrong touch, but what are some other things that we can do to maybe make a small dent in what's really a crisis.
2: Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, unfortunately in the United States, the idea of sex education is still a taboo form of conversation. Um, You go many places in the world and it's a very open conversation and an open dialogue. Whereas in the United States, it's one of those we kind of want to shove in a corner. Parents want teachers to talk about it. Teachers want the parents to talk about it. Nobody really wants to have that conversation. And until we open the door and have a comfortable conversation about it, we're still going to be kind of in the dark ages. Unfortunately, right now in the United States, percentages range anywhere from 75 to 90% of people with disabilities being sexually assaulted. And the number one thing that I think we could do for that is educate. Education, and having and being comfortable in ourselves and in our bodies and being able to say no or I don't understand, I think is really going to take us a long way. Yes, this is more of a serious conversation and it's a serious topic. But until we feel comfortable enough to say, to say the words, <laughs> to say the words penis, to say the words vagina, without laughing or saying, um, oh, I'm so uncomfortable with those words um we we can't go and we can't move forward in the education of those that really need it i i think that's a
1: great that's a great point um jilligan and i want to i'm going to broaden the topic out a little bit um and to think about it. i don't i don't know if 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 you have ever seen the documentary um shooting beauty um about a photographer named Courtney Bent, who um she she had gone in to take photographs at a at a United cerebral palsy Center in an mm-hmm. urban setting, and while there just kind of began to look at people differently and she ended up making this documentary that she wasn 't intending to be about relationships, but it became um, about relationships mm-hmm. and so the the perspective from which she shot it was you know it was lovely, and i 've used it often in my classes. And the one thing that my students overwhelmed, they're like, "Wow, I never really thought that person would you know it never occurred to me that this person mm-hmm. might want a relationship you know that that the rest of us of course all you know seek to have usually in our lifetime so mm-hmm. it was really eye opening in that way uh, what do we What do we tell kids? How do we help them to learn?" to navigate a, a relationship. So we're talking about sex, but, you know, it's really about the whole idea that we try to teach our own children, you know, of, of a relationship and what's an appropriate part of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on or background knowledge on just romantic relationship building in general?
2: Yeah, um, quite honestly, I think the word that comes to mind most when I think about building positive relationships is empowerment self empowerment being able to say that this is what i want this is what i deserve and helping children understand what a quote unquote good relationship a positive relationship could look like versus a negative relationship that might have verbal abuse or somebody taking advantage of somebody else and and empowering our children to be able to go in and say no this is not good for me this is not what I want and to be able to understand that I deserve and I should be able to have a relationship that I feel comfortable in and that I deserve to be loved for who I am.
0: So I'm going to ask my, my last question for you. And again, you're welcome to say more and, and we can of course ask more questions, but my personal last question is if you could, I'm going to get it really narrow So Mm -hmm. I'm a parent, I'm a teacher, uh, I'm a kindergartner. What's the one thing I should do?
2: The one thing that I think you should do, especially at the kindergarten age, is to understand your body is your own. To be able to say, all right, this is my body. Understanding that, you know, there are certain aspects of your body that are considered private. It's not that you should be ashamed of them but it's that you should be aware of them and that, you know what? Not everybody needs to see your boobs. Not everybody needs to see what's under your underwear. Um, At the kindergarten level, that is to me very important to be able to understand that and be able to say no. No, I don't want you to touch me there. No, that's not the right touch for me. Thank you, but no thank you. Um, So for the kindergarten, I think that's the level that you need to get down to. Um, just being aware of themselves,
0: I forgot to tell you it 's a three part question so now i 've got a 12 year old've okay. <laughs> got a twelve year old what would you tell me at twelve what 's the one thing I should be doing if i 'm a parent or a teacher mm-hmm.
2: so at twelve, you really have to start being explicit in what you 're saying um, so at twelve again they 're really starting to get into their body you 're starting to hit the puberty age. Um, so if your child feels the need to masturbate, where is an appropriate place to masturbate? If you say the bathroom with a closed door is an appropriate place to masturbate, you have to understand what private and public means because your child might go to school and understand that, oh, well, I'm in a bathroom with a closed door. This is my mom said, this is an appropriate place. No, it's not. You know, your home bathroom might be the appropriate place. So understanding public versus private, what's appropriate and what's not for your child um, is what you should be teaching more at that age.
0: And last part, I promise, is 21, Uh, getting ready to either have guardianship forever or let them go on their own. Mm
2: -hmm. What's that one thing I should be saying? So at the age of 21, to me, when they're starting to gain more independence is giving them the resources of where to go if I need help or I have questions. Um, letting them know that they can always come to their parents or their family or their community and ask questions if they have them because by this stage hopefully it's been instilled in them what is appropriate what's not appropriate what's right and what's wrong but if they have and come across questions where can they go what resources can they utilize for those um, situations that they might find themselves in.
0: Thanks. Where were you when my child was born? Yeah.
2: (laughs) I was still in school. (laughs) Are you saying I'm old? Come on. Absolutely not. I didn't say what school. I just said I was in school. (laughs) Probably
0: in school. So anyway, yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So Jillian, can you remind us that was amazing information? Honestly, so good. Can you remind us again one more time on the resources, um, the, the key resources that are out there that are available for us as a parent or a teacher? Absolutely. So um, I mentioned SIECUS.
2: It's S-I-E-C-U-S. Um, they have a lot of resources on their websites. Advocates for Youth has a lot of website, um, has a lot of, excuse me, information. Um, the National Institute of Health, Um, If you go to their website, they have a lot too. But even if you just Google, quite honestly, um, you know, resources for sexual education, you're going to find a lot of really good resources out there.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much. Any last words of wisdom you want teachers or families to know or enlighten? Uh, Becky and I, I've learned a lot myself uh, on this (laughs) webinar. So, yeah.
2: I don't think so. I think just mainly go away with this from, with the idea that you are not alone. You know, everybody, no matter what your child is like, has these questions, and it's okay to ask for help. Absolutely.
0: Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us on Practical Access. And if you have any questions for us, um, we can also refer questions to Jillian. If you have them on a future podcast, uh, please send us a tweet at Access
2: Practical. Thank you.
0: Okay.